We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Fan Nation over on Sports Illustrated. Uh, back with another episode. It is Tuesday, September 27th, as I record this. Going to do something a little different, trying to do something a little bit different. And uh, basically, the way I can sum it up is like this. I love doing the live broadcast, but the timing doesn't always work out. I love answering your guys' questions and interacting with you, but uh, I think I'm going to try to do some more pre-recorded episodes so I can do this on a more regular basis. Schedule is busy. You know, things get crazy with the season. So I'm going to try to see if I can. Uh, I don't want to commit to doing it every day, but that's really my ultimate goal for the Ducks Dish podcast. So uh, if you're whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, uh, just a friendly reminder to like the video, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Oregon Football Max Torres, and go ahead and share the Ducks Dish podcast and let me know what your thoughts are about this Oregon football team as we head into week five. And in this episode, we are going to be setting the stage for number 13 Oregon against the Stanford Cardinal. So this is a big matchup, right? Uh, let's just kind of go and touch on kind of some big picture things. You know, I have some notes that I want to hit on about kind of where Oregon's at. going to get into a little bit about where Stanford's at. But uh, heading into this game, Oregon enters this game with a 3-1 and record with a 1-0 record in Pac-12 play after their win over Wazoo. And then Stanford, on the other hand, enters with a 1-2 record uh, going 0-2, dropping their first two games in Pac-12 play against some really good teams uh, in USC and Washington. So let's start with Oregon, right? So you're coming into this game after a 44 to 41 win over the Washington state Cougars. And I think one of the biggest things that I want to talk about just getting into this game, um, the media talked to Dan Lanning on Monday night in Eugene. And one of his big takeaways or one of the big quotes that stuck out to me personally was that he called the win over Washington state, a DNA trait game. And kind of what I thought he meant by that was like, you know, we showed in that game what kind of team we want to be. Um, if you watch the game, you know how Oregon kind of had their backs up against the wall pretty much the entire game. And then in the fourth quarter, uh, they rattled off, I think it was 29 points um, to put that game away uh, with that long touchdown pass. 
uh, to Troy Franklin, and then the touchdown pass to Cam McCormick, which was set up by Bucky Irving's huge uh, catch on fourth and two. That was a big play by by the quarterback, Bo Nix, and by Bucky Irving. Not only did Bo Nix absolutely thread that into double coverage, a risky throw, but he threw it like 20 yards past the sticks. They only needed two yards, and he said, oh, I see my guy. I have that confidence in Bucky to go out and make that play. And Bucky just reels in a phenomenal catch to, to move the chains and, and set up that touchdown to Cam McCormick that I mentioned. And then Troy Franklin had that huge long touchdown pass where he used his hand to keep himself up. So I think when he says DNA trait game, it's just the best version of Oregon kind of showed itself in that game. Are there areas that the Ducks need to improve on? Sure. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit here uh, on September 27th and tell you that this is a perfect team, that they're, they're where they need to be. They're where they want to be. Cause that wouldn't be true, but for Oregon to come back and win that game, I think there was a, a stat that, that I found uh, or kind of a cool fact is that, this was the first time that the Oregon Ducks have won a game when trailing in the third quarter since the 2020 Rose Bowl against the Wisconsin Badgers. You'll remember that game also featured Jonathan Taylor before he made it to the NFL. And then for Oregon, that featured Justin Herbert. And that game was really shocking because the defense came up with some big plays, but it felt like everybody on that offense for Oregon kind of forgot to show up. That is except for Justin Herbert, who ran for three touchdowns in that game to help uh, repel Oregon uh, to, to victory in that one. So I think this game over Washington State, obviously you have the momentum, right? Anytime you get a win, you're going to have momentum on your side heading into your next game, whoever you're going to play. But Oregon hasn't had a comeback, and you haven't really had any confidence, I don't think I would go as far as saying – if Oregon found themselves in this situation under Mario Cristobal last year, two years ago, three years ago, how much confidence would you have that Oregon was able to march down the field, march down the field quickly and put up points? I think that you would have some confidence like, oh, yeah, you know, I think Oregon can can put up some points here. But it's going to take a while because of that ground and pound offense that it has become, you know, the, the trademark of, of Mario Cristobal uh, and his time as a head coach. That was certainly the case at Oregon. But now, for Oregon with this offense, which is operating at a super high clip, just crazy efficient, uh, there were some red zone issues uh, and with some questionable play calls from Kenny Dillingham in that Washington State game that we can talk about. But I think this Oregon offense is just operating at a level that we really haven't seen. Um, and in terms of the balance, um, the, the, the vertical passing attack has been awesome. We talked about the, the, pass to, the touchdown pass to Troy Franklin. Uh, he also had that 55-yard pass uh, Bo Nix did to Troy Franklin last week, two weeks ago, I guess it is now, against BYU. And then he kind of had some big throws to, to Troy Franklin. Dante Thornton had what I want to say was like a 20-plus yard uh, catch against Washington State. Chase Cota had one kind of over the middle. Chris Hudson had that one when he kind of came leaking out of the backfield on a little bit of a, a quick pass that he got a lot of yak yards after catch with. But the biggest point I'm getting after is that we I don't think we've seen this kind of a balance with Oregon's offense in so long. And I think this is one of the best stats that I, I found that kind of helps shed some light on that. So according to the Pac-12, Oregon has the number three rushing offense in the conference at just under 200 yards per game, 198.3 rushing yards per game. And then they also have the number three passing offense in the Pac-12, just under 300 yards 
a game through the air at 296.8. So not only is that those great numbers and you want to be in the upper tiers of the Pac-12, but they're doing really well passing the ball and running the ball. Um, so we've talked about Bo Nix and I had a, a column that I wrote over on Ducks Digest that you can kind of give a read. Uh, and, and it was just kind of examining the question, has Oregon quarterback Bo Nix turned a new leaf since transferring to Oregon and, and playing his college ball in, in Eugene? Uh, I had a show, I think it was the post game show uh, on Sunday talking about Oregon and Bo Nix versus Washington State. And, and there was a question that came up that really kind of piqued my interest. And it was kind of asking along the lines of, would two years of Bo Nix be a good thing? For Oregon, I think that the, the topic of the transfer portal and the quarterback it has been a very long discussion, and and I think I'm still trying to figure out where I stand on that because Oregon's been looking for answers at quarterback, and they have gone to the portal. And I think for Oregon, with this new coaching staff and the timing of it all, it made sense to get somebody from the transfer portal because nobody on the roster had played many college snaps. Uh, but that's a whole different discussion. So Bo Nix does look like a totally different quarterback since Georgia. Where's the Oregon running back rotation at right now? I feel like there's some pretty good clarity now heading into this Stanford game, right? Bucky Irving has established himself as pretty much the clear, clear cut number one go-to back. Um, that dude is impossible to bring down on the first touch. It feels like, you know, the first tackle. Uh, and he's spoken uh, previously about how that is a priority for him to, not go down uh, with the first tackle on first contact. And he's slippery out of the backfield. He's he's pretty good at juking and, and spinning. Uh, obviously, like we talked about uh, just a couple minutes ago, he's shown that he can catch the ball as well, make an impact through the air. And then Noah, Whitting, Noah Whittington comes in to spell him, the Western Kentucky running back transfer, and, and he's almost as effective uh, as Bucky is. And those, both those guys run really, really hard. And they're both really fast. I think that Whittington maybe has a little bit more of that top end speed uh, than Bucky, but that's no slight to him. That's just kind of a little observation. And then the third back that we've seen is true freshman Jordan James. And he's come in as one of those bigger backs and he's carved out a role as Oregon's short down running back, short down yardage running back, goal line running back, got his first touchdown uh, as a duck on Saturday against Washington State, third down, fourth down. Uh, if they're doing short yardage runs, uh, more often than not, it's been Jordan James who's been toting the rock. Uh, and then we have a little bit of Sean Dollars, but we haven't seen too much of Byron Cardwell. He missed the last two games against BYU and Washington State. And uh, I think that's kind of a good segue into some of the injury updates that we got from Dan Lanning on Monday night following his presser. Uh, Stephen Jones was one of the guys that he was asked about. Stephen Jones uh, was seen with a boot in the BYU game. And then he was using a scooter to, to get around. So mobility, obviously not a, a great, uh, great thing for, for Steven as of right now, but landing kept it short and sweet on Monday saying that he's not sharing anything on Steven, uh, which kind of leads us to believe that it looks like it's going to be a little bit more of a longer term injury. Um, I've spoken here before about how I don't like to speculate about injuries, but just with the way judging off the way that landing has, uh, you know, addressed the injury, it seems like it's probably going to be a bit more of a long-term one. I don't want to go as far as saying that he's not going to be back this season, um, but uh, but we just have to continue to monitor that and see when Stephen Jones can come back. But Marcus Harper, the second, has been doing a great job filling in, and that Oregon offensive line has been tremendous. Still hasn't allowed a sack through four games. And then now on to Byron Cardwell. This is what Lanning had to say about Byron. 
continue to evaluate where we're at on Byron. When he's able to do everything in practice and we feel comfortable about his health, then he'll definitely be a guy that I think can help us and contribute for us. Uh, so that was kind of one of the stories that we monitored going into last week's game against Washington State was how much was Byron Carball practicing and he was going through you know, pretty much all the drills from, from what we were able to gather. Um, but, uh, but looks like they're still trying to wait and see uh, if he's going to be healthy enough to play in week five against Stanford. And then how about Caleb Chapman? He's someone we haven't seen too much of. Uh, I believe he's only played in one game. And that was the Eastern Washington game. Dan Lanning saying, quote, Chap, I think is close to being able to help us out there on the field. He's certainly healthier now than he has been. His role can grow if he's able to get it done and practice for us. And quote. So a couple of injury updates there. Ducks are fairly healthy heading into this game uh, against Stanford. So that's always a big plus. Uh, I think for this Oregon game against Stanford, this is definitely a game that you're happy you're getting at home, right? Uh, we'll all obviously recall last year's loss uh, on the farm in Palo Alto, 31 to 24 to Stanford in overtime. Um, and I think even though Stanford isn't playing their best football Certainly not viewed as one of the better teams in the Pac-12 right now. I think David Shaw is still trying to work back up to that perception and uh, that standing, rather, being one of the better teams in the Pac-12. I think Stanford's still a little bit of a, of a sneaky team just because of the way that they identify, recruit, and assemble their roster and you know the, the talent. I think that they kind of get those guys that really fit what they want to do really, really well. Uh, that being said, there is another update that we got on uh, – the injury front today from David Shaw, that is that um, uh, running back EJ Smith is going to be out for the season with an undisclosed injury, which is kind of interesting because it looked like previously um, he was only going to miss, you know, one or two games. And he was, I think the quote that I saw before today was, you know, if not Oregon, then hopefully the week after that. But uh, he's the, he's been the leading rusher for Stanford so far through, uh, you know, through these four games. He only, he's only played in two, uh, because he missed uh, he missed last week's game against Washington, but he had 30 carries for 227 yards and three touchdowns. So uh, it looks like David Shaw is going to be turning to Casey Filkins as the lead the lead back for his team for the Cardinal. Kind of interesting though because there's a connection. Uh, Casey Filkins is an Oregonian. He's from Lake Oswego. Went to Lake Oswego High School. 5'11", 298 or 198 pounds. 298 would be way too big for a running back. Um, but I think that's still a significant update. You know, EJ Smith, son of NFL's all-time leading rusher, Emmett Smith. Um, so that's that's definitely a, a tough break for for the Cardinal as they get ready to face uh, the Ducks. And just on the other side of that, I think we need to talk about the Oregon defense because Oregon's run defense has been very, very stout uh, so far this year. Um, I'm going to pull the stats up right now. Give me just a second. But uh, when we're looking at run defense in terms of yards per game, uh, Oregon has been one of the best. Now at number two in the Pac-12 uh, in terms of rushing defense, um, they are allowing 86.5 rushing yards per game. That is second only to the UCLA Bruins, who are averaging what is going on with my computer. My screen is jumping all over the place. Sorry about that. Um, let me see if I can get this uh, back back where I was hoping it would take me. But uh, if not, it looks like we're lagging a little bit. Sorry about that. Uh, second only to the UCLA Bruins at 84.3 rushing yards per game. 
Uh, Oregon is at 86.5 yards per game now um, in terms of the uh, opponent rushing yards per game. So Oregon's run defense has been stout, and they've had some guys stepping up. Jordan Riley, Casey Rogers, the transfers from Nebraska who followed Tony Tuioti to Eugene. You also have guys like DJ Johnson, and you have um, you have Brandon Dorless, uh, Keon Ware Hudson. So there's been a lot of guys that have been stepping up, and they've been rotating a lot of bodies there along the interior of the defensive line to uh, defend the run, to get after the passer as well. Uh, four sacks against Washington State last week, definitely continuing to progress in, in the right direction. I believe they've incre- that was the second time they've increased their sack total uh, in two weeks after getting uh, Jaron Hall. Uh, I think it was only once, but so it was two guys that combined for half a sack each. Um, but uh, but Oregon's run defense is, is definitely going to uh, need to come up big in this one. Stanford is traditionally a pretty well-coached team uh, that is pretty physical at the, the line of scrimmage. Uh, as we start to kind of dig into Stanford and kind of what the deal is with them, what we know about the Stanford Cardinal, uh, we're going to step away for a quick break on the Ducks Dish podcast, and we'll be right back with more Oregon football content after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Duck Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. We are setting the stage for number 13, Oregon against Stanford. We were getting into, just before the break, a little bit about Stanford's offense uh, with that update on EJ Smith, as well as Oregon's defense, which I think through four weeks, we're pretty confident saying that Oregon's offense has been the stronger of the two sides of the ball. But uh, Stanford's def- Stanford's offense, their skill talent, they have some really good skill talent that we're going to talk about. They have one of the better quarterbacks in the Pac-12 when he's kept upright, when he's kept clean in the pocket, and, and Tanner McKee. But one of the big updates that we also got from Monday from Dan Lanning that's worth uh, mentioning is that uh, outside linebacker DJ Johnson, uh, he had he was called for targeting in that Washington State game after he got the second of two sacks uh, of Cameron Ward. He was called for targeting after replay review. He was uh, you know, the play was the call was upheld and he was ejected from the game. Uh, and then now new rule in, in 2020 as far as just how the targeting process works. You can appeal the call. And then uh, if basically more or less if if, uh, if uh, the appeal gets, you know, overturned or reversed, 
uh, you you don't have that penalty of, of missing the first half of the next game, depending on when it happens in the game. Uh, so this was a second half penalty for DJ Johnson. Uh, it got denied. Dan Lanning told reporters on Monday night. So the Ducks will be without their sack leader uh, and arguably their best pass rusher for the first half against Stanford. That's definitely a, a big storyline to track at, because, as I mentioned, Tanner McKee is one of the better quarterbacks, one of the better passers in the conference when he is kept upright. But let's talk about some of these skill guys that Stanford has because I think this is going to be a really good test for the Oregon secondary uh, as far as just kind of where they're at because – I'll be honest, I think I've been a little bit overly critical of Oregon's secondary so far in this season. Um, I'm not going to go as far as saying they're an elite group, uh, but I think that they are still kind of the the murkiest area of this defense. I think the linebacker play has been solid, especially after we saw against Washington State, we saw Noah Sewell have his best statistical game of the year. Justin Flo made his return after missing the BYU game. But for Stanford, I think, uh, aside from Casey Filkins, seeing that they like to run the ball, I think the the guy that you really have to keep an eye on is wide receiver Michael Wilson. He's a fifth-year guy, incredibly experienced, and um, he, he's been doing pretty well so far this season. Uh, through three games, he has 13 catches for 288 yards and four touchdowns. He had a long 78-yard uh, touchdown against Washington uh, this past week and, and their loss there, but uh, six catches for 176 yards and two touchdowns. I think he's a really quick guy. He's a physical receiver. He is athletic. I think he kind of embodies all of those characteristics that you're used to seeing with the Stanford wide receiver. Um, he's listed at six foot two, 209 pounds. So not a massive wide receiver. I don't think he's necessarily as much of the tight end wide receiver hybrid that we've seen Stanford tend to favor um, on a year-to-year basis, but Michael Wilson's a, a game breaker for sure. And uh, I think that that's probably going to be the guy that uh, Oregon wants to match up Christian Gonzalez on uh, with Gonzalez being the um, undeniable CB1 of this team. I think he's been very reliable, pretty much that guy that they can go to and say, Hey, we want you to lock down uh, that side of the field. We want you to lock down that uh, opposition's number one right wide receiver, but uh, keep an eye out on Michael Wilson. I think he's absolutely going to make an impact in this game for Stanford, but he's not the only weapon that they have, as you would probably expect. Uh, another guy that I think is maybe more of that wide receiver tight end hybrid because he does have more size. He is a bigger guy at wide receiver, that's Elijah his Elijah Higgins, another senior, another upperclassman in a very veteran-laden group of wide receivers. Um, Elijah Higgins has been one of Stanford's most consistent wide receivers during his time uh, with the Cardinal. Off to a little bit of a slow start so far in 2022, just nine catches for 103 yards and hasn't found the end zone just yet. Um, but seeing that he is one of those bigger guys, I think that maybe we see Oregon get a triquest bridges on him, maybe get some safety help with Jamal Hill and Bennett Williams over the top. And let me talk about triquest bridges because I think I was, I guess for, for me with triquest bridges, I think I was kind of more, the jury is still out on where he's at in his development because he's been at Oregon for a while. He came to Oregon as a safety converted to cornerback last year. And then in fall camp, he said, I'm going to be spending most of my time focusing on corner this season. And 
through four games, he's leading the team in interceptions. Got an interception against Eastern Washington. Um, I believe it was. It was either Eastern Washington or BYU. I think it was actually BYU. Let me let me double check. Um, let me double check and see which games he got the, the interceptions in. Because he got an interception last week uh, against Washington State, making an awesome play kind of as the – as he and the receiver were going down to the ground, rolling a little bit, he ripped the ball out and got that interception. So being able to make those big plays when it matters most is, is important. Um, and any, any player, but, you know, specifically defensive backs when, you know, interceptions are such a critical part of how you evaluate their game along with coverage. All right. So I checked and it was against Washington state and then also against Eastern Washington. You'll remember he almost had that pick six against Eastern Washington uh, until he fumbled it at the two-yard line, and then Casey Rogers, big old defensive lineman, jumped on it to get the touchdown for Oregon. Um, so Triquas Bridges, I think, uh, you know, you, you're still, uh, I think you're still kind of trying. You want to see that improvement in, in coverage. That's not necessarily where you want to be uh, in terms of how well, how sticky he is on these coverages. But he's making plays on the ball, and he's forcing turnovers, which I think is such a bright spot for Oregon. Uh, they didn't have any turnovers in that Georgia game. Such a hard game to glean any positives from. But last year's defense was a bend-don't-break, kind of turnover-dependent unit, even though that's not what they wanted to be. And then after you lose um, a lot of guys from that secondary, DJ James, Verone McKinley, Mikhail Wright, you need a guy that's going to step up and be that ball hawk, be someone that can cause disruption in the passing game, get pass breakups, which Tr- Christian Gonzalez has done too. Christian Gonzalez ha- got his first interception in that Eastern Washington game. So you're starting to see that kind of come together for Oregon. I think that their defense is is starting to make strides. The pass rush isn't as consistent as you want it to be, but it's getting better. Uh, It kind of reminds me of what Lanning was saying about, you know, not, he's said multiple times now, it's, it's kind of funny. He's saying he's almost made it a point to say that he doesn't really care about the stats. He just wants to get the wins. As far as sacks go, I think I really agree with what he was saying as far as when we're in the position to get a sack, we got we to gotta capitalize. We can't let the quarterback, you know, get away from us. Can't let him escape. So um, Oregon's, Oregon's pass rush isn't where it needs to be, and I think it's still not where it can get with the amount of talent that they have on that defense. Uh, Braden Swinson, a guy who's uh, – he's, he had some pretty big aspirations for this season that he's still looking to, to live up to. Uh, but definitely had to give a, a shout out, you know, to those guys that are performing well on Oregon's defense. Um, just to, to kind of touch a little bit more on some of these guys uh, on Stanford's offense. Um, we talked about EJ Smith. He's not going to be available. He's out for the year. Casey Filkins, Elijah Higgins. I think another guy that is worth uh, mentioning here is wide receiver John Humphreys. Through three games, he has seven catches for 122 yards and one touchdown averaging 17.4 yards per catch. Second only to Michael Wilson on the team with 22.15 yards per catch. So Michael Wilson is definitely that deep down the field guy, the guy they like to take their shots with uh, through the air. But John Humphreys is another one of those guys who is a big lengthy athletic wide receiver, six foot five, 209 pounds, uh, definitely, you know, gives you those vibes of, you know, maybe more of a tight end, but he can definitely run. He's 210, so maybe not so much more of a tight end. You see those guys usually 230 plus, 240. So 
I talked about uh, Elijah Higgins and how big he is. So he's probably going to be more of that tight end mold, uh, tight end wide receiver mold hybrid for Stanford. Uh, and the last two guys I want to talk about, Bryson Tremaine, six foot four, 212 pounds. I remember he had a really good game a couple of years ago against Oregon. It feels like these teams just kind of bring out the best in each other. They have a lot of games that have been decided by like a touchdown or less. Um, and then with Stanford, you have to talk about the tight end position, with, with which, which is where Benjamin Urosic comes in, the big 6'4", 242-pound junior tight end out of Bakersfield. Uh, definitely one of the better uh, receiving threats on this team. Only has seven catches so far, but they actually also uh, involved him in a running play, had one rush for 50 yards on the season. I believe that was against Colgate. Um so those are some of the big guys that you got to watch uh, on on Stanford's offense. Uh, on their defense, they have some some capable playmakers as well. You're looking at Caillou Blue Kelly, one of the best defensive backs, one of the best coverage guys, coverage defensive backs in the Pac-12. You have, also have defensive back Patrick Fields, who was a former Oklahoma transfer, and then at linebacker you also have Lavani Demuni uh, as well, Aaron Armitage, David Bailey. Those are some guys that are going to be coming off the edge for Stanford. So Oregon's offensive line is going to have some really athletic guys that they're going to have to slow down on Saturday. And I think one of the more interesting things about this matchup, like it's just a, a great Pac-12 rivalry, a Pac-12 North rivalry. And it looks like we could get a lot of, of really good games like that this year because Washington's playing well, Oregon State's playing well. Heck, Cal's even playing all right so far. Jade Knott went crazy last weekend, but I think I think this should just be a really fun game. I think that Stanford's playing pretty sloppy. They're, they're not a, an efficient or effective offense. I think they allowed eight sacks against Washington. So this is a game that I think really favors Oregon's pass rush. They should be able to kind of pick up where they left off and continue strengthening their pass rush from a statistical standpoint, uh, getting after the quarterback. I think this could be a confidence booster. Maybe we'll see more of Mace Funa getting after the quarterback. He had that big pick six, really the best play uh, that he's had as a duck, and it could not have come at a better time for Oregon as they sealed that big win over Washington State. Um, let me see. There was some other notes that I wanted to get to, uh, about just kind of the Oregon and, uh, Oregon and Stanford matchup. So last year, um, Stanford got the win 31 to 24 in Palo Alto, uh, in 2020, Oregon won 35 to 14 in Eugene. And also in 2019, Oregon won 21 to six, uh, on the road in Palo Alto. And then Stanford, one in 2018 in that brutal game in Eugene. That was a 38-31 overtime game uh, that we don't have to talk about too much with, you know, CJ Verdell fumbles and just the wheels fell off at the end, man. It was it was brutal. Uh, but I think for, for Oregon, this is a game that you got to enter with a whole bunch of confidence. You're getting it at home, which is always awesome. Uh, you're pretty healthy, like I mentioned, um, and you're just starting to see improvement and in all facets of, of the game. Um, I think, you know, we talked earlier about the red zone offense kind of being a little bit of an issue against Washington state. I think that definitely made that game closer than it needed to be as I battle a bad hair day a little bit. Um, uh, where else was I going? So yeah, the red zone off offense was kind of odd against Washington state, but I, I see Oregon getting off to a fast start in this one and, and their offense just continuing pick up right where you left off 
and then you're playing some of your best ball at home at Autzen Stadium. So really there's no reason that Oregon shouldn't be able to uh, really just fire on all cylinders here. Um, I'm not sure how, how much we can comp Washington and Oregon, but Washington and Michael Penix, Romo Dunze, I was watching those highlights earlier today. Washington absolutely ripped Stanford to shreds. And uh, I think based off of what we've seen so far, this sample size through four games for Oregon, I feel like Oregon's probably right on par with them. So I think for Oregon, you got to continue to do the simple better and um, continue to continue to win your one-on-ones. Dan Lanning talked about how important that's going to be with some of these big physically gifted wide receivers and tight ends that Oregon's going to be going against. Um, also winning on the perimeter, that continues to be a big point, especially against a team like Stanford that likes to run the ball and Oregon likes to run the ball as well. Uh, Oregon, I believe they opened as 16 and a half point favorites over on SI Sportsbook. So it looks like Vegas is favoring the Ducks so far in this one. Uh, if you're a college football fan, you're going to have plenty of time to watch other games uh, in week five on Saturday because the Ducks don't kick off until 8 p.m. Uh, out here on the West Coast, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports 1 is where you can find that one. Uh, but uh, I think that'll do it for us here on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast as we set the stage for number 13, Oregon, against Stanford. Uh, before I get out of here, you guys, final reminder – uh, please do me a big favor, smash the like button, smash the subscribe button, and uh, share the Ducks Dish podcast, whether you're on YouTube. Let me know how you're feeling about this Oregon versus Stanford game. And then if you're over on podcast, share the Ducks Dish podcast with friends, family, and other Duck fans. But until next time, I'm your host, Max Torres. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.